Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. I was one of those kids that had a lot of potential. I felt like I, I underperformed. I could have done a lot better. There's so many transferable skills that I valued more than my education. If there was a situation that was really stressful, like a fight broke mm. out or someone's getting stabbed, I'm like, that was really stressful. Work ain't stressful didn't go down that route of criminality because I knew in my heart I was never going to be an Escobar and yeah. if I want to do something I want to be one of the best in the yeah. world at it yeah. I knew I wasn't going to be one of the best in the world and my heart's not suited to it mm. I had too much faith in me I was, I was too much believing in Christ I wasn't suited yeah. for that and I just understood the language of business and entrepreneurship so well like a second nature mm -hmm. the excellence I was learning at EY allowed me to apply that yeah. to building I get picked because of my 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 passion for entrepreneurship yeah. it shone through and I moved out to San Francisco for seven months. And the one thing that was missing was because I wasn't senior enough, mm. I didn't understand it enough, I didn't have equity. When we look at the Forbes rich list today, mm. by far, the fastest driver of wealth mm. has been business. Okay. Business owners or people that own equity in businesses. Yeah. I remember on paper, I have no right to be doing any of this. Mm. I don't have a background. It's not my job. It's, not my, it's just my lived experience and my yeah. heart. Welcome to the Takeoff Experience where I sit down with highly driven people to talk about their journey, their failures and their successes. If you want to take off in your career, your business, your finances or your mindset, then this podcast is for you. This episode is sponsored by Money Hub, a secure money management app that helps you to manage your money with ease. The Money Hub app provides you with a single view of all your accounts by letting you connect your bank accounts, your savings accounts, investment accounts, your credit cards all in one place. To help with your money goals, Money Hub has features that allows you to track your incomings versus your outgoings every single month and also allows you to set and track your spending budgets every single month too. It's a fantastic app, right? Well, you can download the Money Hub app for free by tapping the link in my description. You can use the Money Hub app free for six months with no auto renewal. And if you really like the app, then you can continue using it for only £1.49p per month. It's a deal of the century, right? Well, make sure to go and download the app right now. Enjoy the rest of the episode. Welcome back to the Takeoff Experience. We have a special guest in the building. Andy, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm ready to take off with you. Yeah, you are. Ah, you're the first person who's done that. Yeah? Yeah, nobody else has ever done that. That's, now that's I've seen amazing. Anyone that's going to watch this now. Yeah, now everybody's going to cough for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> mad, mad, mad. <laughs> So for those that don't know, who, who is Andy? Andy Ayim is a father, a husband, first and foremost. You know, family's everything, legacy, everything. I'm sure we're going to get into that. Um, I'm also a creator, an investor. Um, unlike a lot of people that probably come on this show, actually, the type of investments that I do typically is quite unique. We call it angel investing, which is investing into privately held companies. We're going to get into that in the show, I'm sure, as well. Um, but also invest across asset, other asset classes like property and, and stocks and shares as well. Okay. Um, and above and beyond all of that, I love doing coaching actually, like, like supporting founders and leaders in organizations to kind of like open up and shift cultures. So not a lot of people know that I do that coaching work as well. But okay. yeah, we work with some some large corporates and, and big companies and good brand names doing, wow. doing that coaching work. Wow, that's that's crazy. Definitely will get it. A little bit into that if you, if, if you don't mind a bit later um, but we'll want to dial it back a bit know the man behind the story 
Um, so where whereabouts are your parents from? Ghana. Both Ghana. Okay. From Ghana. Ghana. Were you? Do you know if you were? Of course, you would know this. Were you born there? Born here? I am aware. Apparently, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was born here in London. So um, now my parents both migrated to the UK from Ghana. Mm. Um, and then actually met each other here. Okay. And then um, had myself and my my elder brother and my younger brother. So I grew up with two boys in the house. Um, and I grew up in Tottenham, North London. Okay. Oh, wow. Wow. What was it like growing up in Tottenham? I hear a lot of things. Do you know what? First and foremost, you get a real sense of community. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Like back then you had your community center where you go and play football during the school holidays. I remember that. You get to form relationships with all the kids because everyone just knows each other. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a real multicultural melting pot. Like, we didn't know that there was issues with diversity back then because mm. we were molded by it. So, yeah, yeah, I loved it. I loved it. A lot of my formative friends from, from back then are still some of my friends now. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I, I do remember, like, the whole community centers. I don't think that's a big thing now, but I remember going to I summer I think school. they're playing in the metaverse on Fortnite. <laughs> yeah, pretty yeah. much, right? <laughs> Is that, yeah, there's not that sense of community. I do remember um, going to summer school. Mm. I remember that. Yeah, 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 that's not. That's definitely not, not a thing, a thing anymore. Yeah, 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 it's a shame because you build yeah. a lot of good relationships with people that way. Yeah. It gets you out of the house, gets you active, opens up your mind a little bit. Yeah, I, I, that back. it's crazy because I mean, I remember meeting some people from summer school before I went to secondary school. Mm. So, th so they came to the same secondary school, yeah. but you kind of Which met probably them. Probably made a transition a bit easier. Yeah, 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 because yeah. you knew a few people there already. So yeah, yeah, it was, yeah it's a bit, it's a bit mad. Wow crazy and uh school what, what, what was school like for you school i feel like it's, it's two different experiences so yeah. primary school yeah um made some really good friends like one of my closest friends till today a guy called Stephen badu met him when i was free in nursery okay. went to secondary primary school secondary school together still friends till today so i made a lot of my formative friends even from yeah. primary school and i felt like in primary school i was one of those kids that had a lot of potential mm. like i performed well mm -hmm. the teachers liked me but i didn't know i don't know maybe it's the teachers whether it's at home i felt like i, I underperformed i could have done a lot better okay. with the right support yeah so when i got into secondary school i felt like i cruised and i did okay but i know i could have done a lot better yeah do you know what i mean yeah that's yeah. interesting that's interesting coming from you who's achieved a lot. Yeah, but you know? I feel like, you see what I've realized now is that, yeah. and I think it's partly growing up to, in Tottenham, there's so many transferable skills that I valued more than my education. Do you know what right. I mean? So like back in the day, if I was to chirp a girl, actually that gave me the confidence skills now to be able to mm. network. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Or if there was a situation that was really stressful, like a fight broke mm. out or someone's getting stabbed. I'm like, that was really stressful. Work ain't stressful. Mm. so there's little things that like where it's like actually okay. strongly transferable skills and you know i wasn't i hustled but i wasn't you know on the fringes of, of too much criminality <laughs> but actually yeah. a lot of those transferable skills still yeah. hold true to entrepreneurship that's true your ability to take risks yeah they don't call it the same language you didn't use the same names but mm. you know like customer retention keeping your clients happy you know working in teams mm. like a lot of that whether we like it for better or for worse came from the streets for mm. me you know, so it became very easy to then shift into business and feel like actually that is like this. Mm. I've I've been there before. No, I do have relevant experience. Okay. You know, it gave me a confidence in the workplace. Okay. Mm. I've never ever thought about it like that. It's crazy. Mm. The one thing I did always think, right, whenever I watched like Narcos or anything like that, I'll, I'll look at Escobar. Mm. I was like, wow, this guy's super intelligent. Hey, I was far from Escobar, you know. <laughs> Put that out yeah, no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all jokes aside, the reason that I didn't go down that route of criminality yeah. and shot in too much or ACs, yeah, 
It's because I knew in my heart I was never going to be an Escobar. And yeah. if I want to do something, I want to be one of the best in the yeah. world at it. Yeah. I knew I wasn't going to be one of the best in the world at it. My heart's not suited to it. Mm. I had too much faith in me. I had too much, too much, I was, I was too much believing in Christ. I wasn't suited yeah. for that. Yeah. I was being honest with myself. Yeah. I weren't trying to live a lie. And I think, I think that's, that's the key thing, right? That you have to know who you are, right? Are you trying to yeah. impress other people or are you trying to do the best thing for yourself, 100%. right? And I think when you're young, a lot of it is you're just trying to impress other people. Yeah, you're trying to figure it out. Yeah. You know, and and yeah. in the end of the day, your environment influences your mentality. Yeah. So who you're surrounded with does influence sometimes who you become. Yeah. You know, so depending on who you, you choose as your friends, who you hang around with, you can heavily influence that, like the kind of paths you'd go down, the kind of choices that you make. Yeah. And and they add up. Yeah. They add up. It's crazy. It's crazy. So did you end up going to university? I did go to university. Yeah. I went to Brunel University. Yeah. And it's interesting because before we came on air, you yeah. mentioned how going to university at Sussex for you was about getting out of ends, yeah. going somewhere new, yeah. like a, a, a breath of fresh air. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Whereas for me, I got into Aston University, into Brunel. And right. I didn't go to Aston because in my mentality at the time was I didn't want to slip if something kicks off in this beef, I want to be close to, yeah. to home so that people can come down or I can go back home. Mm. And that just tells you the mind frame that I was in at the time mm. that I was going to university mm. versus when I finished university, yeah. which is a, a completely 360. Wow, that's crazy. So what was the mindset after the mindset, when you finished? So yeah, I did a module, I remember, on entrepreneurship. And I'll yeah. never forget this lecturer's name, Adrian Woods. I yeah. used to hit him up all the time. Yeah. Quite elderly now. Um, and in this module... I, I just excelled. It was like the one thing that I just did brilliantly. Mm. And I just understood the language of business and entrepreneurship so well, like a second nature. Mm -hmm. And that module made me realize how much I loved entrepreneurship. Okay. And we did a project where you had to kind of set up your own business. Yeah. And I set up a business with my friend Abdul and Dennis called mm -hmm. Safirm, which stood for self-affirm. Okay. And it was all about taking the entrepreneurial skills that we all possess, mm -hmm. but packaging that up so that we're more employable. Okay. So we ended up doing workshops for like university groups, mm -hmm. for like like different council groups. Like we'd go and do these workshops and people would love it. Mm -hmm. They were like, our students gain so much value from these yeah. workshops. But I had imposter syndrome at the time and I was like, oh, I'm teaching all this good stuff that I do believe in, but I haven't even got a job myself doing mm -hmm. the stuff that I'm teaching. Okay. So we all split up and one of them went to Twitter. Another one went to like Morgan Stanley and I went to Ernst & Young. So we all went into good companies. The okay. formulas that we were teaching was working. Yeah. I just didn't have the confidence at that time to say that oh, I need to keep running with this business. I okay. felt that imposter syndrome take over. Oh, that's crazy. Wow, 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 wow. That's, it's crazy because you got into EY, but you had imposter syndrome, right? <laughs> well, to be honest, that, that experience was before I got into EY. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. okay. But, but I still had a bit of imposter syndrome yeah. going into EY because... You have to understand you're getting into this organization with yeah. really 200,000 employees, True. a way of speaking, yeah. a way of working. And when I joined EY, I joined on their um, graduate program mm. for, as a management consultant. Mm -hmm. So on the one hand, I'm celebrating like I made it. Mm -hmm. I mean, my wage mm -hmm. was healthy mm. and I felt like I'm just getting into a great career with a great brand. Mm. But on the other hand, like all of the graduates that I joined with went into different like functions within the business, like okay. strategy customer mm. like hr consultancy finance consultancy yeah. and i just got stuck with one lady who was a director at the time mm. and she was working on something called new markets which is essentially like business development okay i'm like trying to build something from scratch yeah and at the time it felt like a baptism from hell mm. because a baptism of fire because she was so like 
analytical that should pull me up on little things like there's no alignment between this box and that box let me put your slides in gray line in gray scale i just saw there was a black line there that wasn't visible in color let me uh, in your Excel formula, you forgot to do this and you need to... So I had to triple check my work before even showing her. Mm. I was so anxious. I'd go into work sometimes hating that. Like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be working one-on-one with her again. Mm. And then something happened where we both went on a trip to Rome. And in this trip, we were at a partner conference for EY and yeah. we're presenting our new market solution to some of the partners. Yeah. And she came with her husband and with her daughter. And I don't know what it is about that connection that I had to the fact that, wait a minute, this is a mum, mm. and she's a woman and it's a male dominated industry mm. and her husband's real cool and he's a landscaper mm. and her daughter's real kind. And I've seen a different mother inside of her on this trip. Yeah, It just changed our relationship. I okay. felt like I got to actually know the person yeah. behind my colleague. Yeah. So when I got back, it just changed my career trajectory. I had like other graduates that were in my team that I was managing okay. because wow. she had trained me up so well. Okay. You know, so then I thought, oh, do you know what? I've learned so much from mm. having that like, her coach me. Mm. And she went on to become a partner yeah. in the firm. And I could have stayed and just rode the wave with her and mm-hmm. just just gone up the ranks because we had such a good relationship. Yeah. But I felt like a really small cog in a really massive machine. Yeah. And I knew that there was more of me to give. Yeah. And the commonality you'll notice in my story is, and you'll notice the more stories that I mm. share today is, I've got a spirit of service in me. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm born to serve. Yeah. I just believe in that. That's how I am. So I love nurturing growth in other people. Yeah. I love helping people grow. Mm-hmm. That first business of firm was all about that. You know, leaving EY, just, you know, it felt like I needed to do more to help people to grow. It yeah. felt like it wasn't the right home for me. Yeah. That's crazy. That's mm-hmm. crazy. You know, it's crazy, right? I was, I wanted to pick up on something, right? <laughs> she was teaching you, but you didn't think she was she was coaching you, but you didn't think she was no, coaching. I thought she was being harsh. Yeah, I changed she my was perspective. Yeah, it changed the relationship. Yeah, it's mad, isn't it? Mm. Right, when mm. somebody comes across like they're harsh, they're saying this and that. Actually, they're kind of increasing your quality in a strange Some, way. Sometimes that's the relationship between yeah. a parent and a child. Yeah, like you can feel like, oh, my dad was really strict growing up, mm. but then you grew up in like, oh, but I grew up in hacking. Actually, my dad was trying to keep me off the streets, and now I understand what my dad was trying to do for me. But at the time, maybe I didn't appreciate it. Yeah. You know, and I yeah. feel like that parental relationship is often like that. Yeah. It's, it's often misunderstood. Yeah. You know, and even understanding the, sometimes like, I, I grew up in Tottenham, not Hackney, but like, wait, my mom and dad came from Ghana, a life that they knew, and they sacrificed that to come to England. And I'm taking the piss. Mm-hmm. You know what? I, I always probably, have that thoughts. I should, probably, I should probably honor that a little bit, you know. Yeah. Like they, they did a deep sacrifice for mm. this. And I'm now, by no fault of my own, inheriting this privilege of being born in London. Just that fact that I'm born in London differentiates me from my cousins and my people back in Ghana. They might have high potential like me, but low access to opportunity. They can't apply to AUI like I can get into EY. They can't go to a uni like I went to a uni. They can't try businesses like I can. Mm. They can't be unemployed and get welfare from the Mm. job center like I can. Mm. Like when you pre it and you clock it, There's so many benefits we inherit from being like just born in the UK, yeah. being based in London. It's crazy. And I think so many of us take it for granted yeah. until a later stage. Yeah. It's insane. It's, it's, it's actually, actually insane. It's actually mad when you, you know? when you break it down like mm, that. Even the fact that we're doing this here. Yeah. In this space. I know. Yeah. This isn't everywhere. No, it's not. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
literally called like the studios. Yeah. It's based after the city. Yeah. You know? It's mad. It is crazy. So what so what what ended up happening after so you left EY? Was that to start a business or I left EY thinking, all right, I need to do something closer to entrepreneurship. Yeah. And check this. When I left university, I didn't go into a startup. Okay. Because I couldn't afford to. I needed to contribute to the rent back home. Mm. I didn't have the privilege that some people do to say, mm. you know, I can afford to start a business because I've got the bank of mum and dad to fall back on. I've got financial safety net to fall back on. I didn't have that. Mm. I didn't feel confident in taking a risk back then. Mm. So I left EY. And at the same time, I was working at EY. That was my nine to five. Yeah. My five to nine. And my weekends were spent building a business called Mixtape Madness. Okay, yeah, yeah. So I was obviously building that business with my brother and a few friends whilst I was working at EY at the same time. And funny enough, like the excellence I was learning at EY allowed me to apply that to building Mixtape Madness at the time. So when I left EY, um, I was kind of in a space of, I want to do something new. Like I don't even know, I didn't really want to do Mixtape Madness anymore. Hmm. I just wanted to explore and do something new. Yeah. And, um, I went on a backpacking adventure with my my brother, my younger brother and a friend of mine. And we camped across East Africa for 30 days. Okay, wow. We landed in Zimbabwe, Victoria Falls. Mm. And we camped through Malawi, um, uh, Tanzania, Zanzibar, wow. and in Kenya. We did the Serengeti. So we saw, like, we we're just living amongst animals, basically. Wow. For 30 days. Incredible <laughs> That's experience. Incredible. I love it. I grew up watching, like, David Attenborough shows yeah. and Wildlife on TV. And I always knew that That's I had a insane. connection. I needed to experience yeah. that. Um, so we did that trip, get to Kenya, getting ready to come home. There's a fire in Kinshasa airport in Kenya, end up hustling a flight to Uganda because our ticket's no longer valid. Mm. End up hustling a flight from Uganda to London, arrive in the airport in London, hit by this news, your dad's passed away. He's meant to come and collect me from the airport. Mm. He couldn't collect me because he passed away the night before from a heart attack. Mm. So that just shifted, that that just shifted anything that I could have been planning at that Mm. time because you go into you go into war mode, innit? You're like, I need to right now provide for my family. That was the main breadwinner. Mm. Like you just imagine it. And you know, with African culture and Ghanaian culture, you arrive back from that situation and your house is full of people. Mm. It's not like you have the space to just like grieve on your own. No, like our culture is like you're surrounded by the village again. Mm. So everyone was around the house. I arrive home from the airport, I'm exhausted from like being stuck for two days going mm. through Kenya and Uganda, but yeah. I'm like, this is the culture. This is the way. Mm. But I, it didn't allow me to to have the space that I needed during that time. Yeah. And I, I accepted a job into an opportunity I didn't really want, but I just, mm. I just needed something to take my mind off it. Yeah. And I remember after three months in that job, we were just like mutually like, this ain't working out. This ain't working out. It's the first and only time in my career I've ever had that experience. Mm. So after that three-month job, which just didn't work out for both of us, and they were saying I was working too hard, like, um, hmm? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> After that experience, wait, wait, are you telling me they were um, intimidated? I'm working too hard. Yeah, I okay. guess intimidated. I guess this isn't the culture. This isn't how we work. Okay, you know, maybe they maybe didn't enjoy the fact that I weren't going to drinks. I mean, I had a lot on in my mind. I was yeah. in the mood for drinks. Yeah, you know what I mean, like my, okay. my shit was real. Mm. So I said, right, let me go back to basics. What I know, mm. what I know is, what I know is management consulting mm-hmm. because I've done EY. But I need somewhere a bit more entrepreneurial. Mm. So I joined like a startup consultancy called Elixir. Okay. And at the time it was, it was a small company, 20 people. And the people that started the company used to work at a massive consultancy called Accenture. And they were South African. Yeah. So they're selling work based off their relationships. That's how a lot of these consultancies start off. That's why it's named after people's names sometimes. Mm. Mr. Ernst, Mr. Yeah. Young. 
and then actually the brand becomes the people over yeah. time. So um, with them, I ended up moving to South Africa because I was South African and had relationships there. Wow. So I ended up living in South Africa for a year and a half, which was amazing. And working with a lot of the financial services businesses down there, Investec Bank, yeah. Standard Bank, doing like transformation projects of their mm. like technology teams. And then during the second year of my experience at that, is it all right for me to keep talking? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, of course it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm listening. I'm yeah. just like, I'm enjoying this story right now. <laughs> During my second year of that experience, um, I had a quick trip and consultant engagement in... No, no, no. During the second year of my experience, um, a partner in the firm had an idea about starting a strategic outpost out in, in, in San Francisco. Okay. So let me start a new office and a new business in San Francisco. Yeah. I'm not quite sure what it's going to do yet but I want to take someone with me. So a bunch of us interview, I get picked because of my, my, my passion for entrepreneurship yeah. is shone through and I move out to San Francisco for seven months. Okay. And during that seven months, I build up networks and a business with this partner with all of the leading venture capitalists out there. So okay. we're talking about, these are just names, but Andreessen Horowitz, mm -hmm. Greylock Partners, Sequoia and Lightspeed Ventures. And what we were doing was we would talk to our corporate clients like Standard yeah. Bank in Africa. We'd understand the challenges they're facing. Like, I can't see a single view of my customer across yeah. all my teams. Mm -hmm. so I don't know where marketing our messaging the same person as customer support as same person as product. Yeah. I don't know who's messaging who and how many times yeah. are getting bombarded. So we'll go out to, we'll talk to our Silicon Valley VCs. Yeah. We'll ask them what startups are in their portfolio. And they may say, oh, you should talk to to intercom yeah intercom can help them connect all of their customer data so they understand who's messaging who when and they can control it through intercom yeah so we'll introduce them to like an intercom they'll fly out to san francisco for a week we'll teach them about emerging technology like ai and machine learning okay. and then we'll do like a proof of concept where intercom will try and work with with standard bank yeah and if it works off after a week great mm. they won business and intercom are happy that they've got this international client yeah and that business really took off for this consultancy okay wow so they ended up floating on the um, alternative investment market. Mm -hmm. And for anyone that wants to know what that means, it means that this business has gone public. Mm -hmm. They've sold their shares to the public and, and it's a very difficult thing to do. You know, not many businesses do it every year. Yeah. So that business that we built out in San Francisco enabled them to then go and float on the aim. So I was very proud of that. Okay. Wow. At the time, the one thing that was missing was because I wasn't senior enough, mm -hmm. and I didn't understand it enough. I didn't have equity. Ah, oh, okay. Yes, yeah. yes. So I had yes, I had yes. the lessons which were valuable. Yes. But I didn't have equity, so I didn't participate. Yes. In the in the earnings in, and the winnings, yes. even though I own some stock yeah. today. But yeah. That's a shame, right? You know what? That's so frustrating, right? Like that. And I think more, I don't know, you, you work with founders a lot more than me, but I think it's something that founders need to be looking at when they're starting, especially if they're starting something new, their first few employees at least. Like maybe I don't know, the first hundred. Look at getting them, you know, some equity, yeah. at least in the business, right? To be honest, a lot of founders set up something called an options pool, yeah. employee options pool, which is like, I put 10% of equity aside. Yeah. Anyone that we hire, we can give them equity. Okay. And they usually have these contracts that say that yeah. uh, if you stay for one year or less, you don't get any equity. Okay. If you stay for over a year, you get a little bit more equity for each year you stay for up to four years. Mm -hmm. So that way it incentivizes them okay. to stay on for longer. Okay, I like you know? that. So that's called vested equity with a cliff. Yeah. You know, but there's all these fancy terms that are really, yeah. really simple. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. The, one, the, one thing that, that, the one thing that San Francisco and Silicon Valley yeah. exposed me to, or the yeah. two things is, um, there's a culture 
mm. to producing great companies. Okay. San Francisco and Silicon Valley is very unique yeah. because the whole ecosystem pours into building new businesses. Mm -hmm. The universities are plugged in and they're providing great talent. Mm -hmm. You know, so many startups started in Stanford and Berkeley, yeah. that side of the world. Then you've got the academics that are doing deep research that are supporting. Mm -hmm. Then you've got the policymakers that are relaxing policy to allow for innovation to occur. Yeah. Then you've got the corporates that are plugging in and working with the startups and working like a startup. Yeah. And then before you know it, you see that every actor in this ecosystem is actually contributing mm. to make it a magical place to start a business. Yeah. Then you've got the venture capitalists that are pouring money into yeah. those startups. And then there's no surprise that a Dropbox, a Google, mm. a, that, like that Facebook, mm. they're all from that side of the world. Yeah, it's true. You know? Yeah. It's incredible like what they've built there. And it's one of those things you have to experience. It's hard mm. to just watch it on TV. You've got yeah. to go out there. And then the second thing that I realized is that when we talk about this concept of wealth, mm. in 1976, Forbes had released the rich list. Yeah. The first one that they did. Mm -hmm. And when you looked at actually like how were people accumulating wealth on that list, there were three things primarily. Yeah. And it's probably in this order. Inherited wealth. Mm -hmm. like I got wealth passed down to me from my parents. Yeah. Oil and gas. Mm. Oil and gas barons. We're talking about the Rockefellers and whatnot. Yeah. And then land and property. Okay. When we look at the Forbes rich list today, mm. by far the fastest driver of wealth mm. has been business. Okay. Business owners or people that own equity in businesses. Yeah. The reason that is important to explain is that when people talk about this concept of wealth creation, what we're talking about is having ownership stakes in a business yeah. that, that grows fast and appreciates in value. Because as that business appreciates in value, so does your wealth. Yeah. Because your stake in the business appreciates in value. One way is to start a business, yeah. right? I think it's very important to start a business because you can influence the growth of that business. Yeah. You can influence the outcome. You can influence your wealth. Another way is to invest in a business, yeah. which is what I do. Yeah. I do both. Yeah. I started a business called the Angel Investing School. Mm -hmm. I also invest in businesses. Mm -hmm. And that way I have equity stakes in businesses that are fast growth. Yeah. And that's going to contribute to my wealth. It's going to yeah. outstrip what the bank gives me if they go well. It's going to outstrip what even my properties will give me if mm -hmm. they go well. The question is if they go well. Yeah. And that's what scares a lot of people around mm. about this asset class. It's like, mm. actually, so many startups fail. So many new businesses don't achieve an exit. Yeah. So you have to be savvy, just like your program's called, mm -hmm. around selecting and deciding, actually, how am I going to apportion my capital to this? Yeah. So, you know, I don't want to get too deep into angel investing now, but we'll mm. get onto it later. Yeah. But yeah, those are the two things that San Francisco and Silicon Valley taught me. Okay. The culture of entrepreneurship. Yeah. And and to really create wealth, you have to have ownership stakes in businesses. That's amazing. I, I feel like all your travels, you got a lot out of it. Yeah. You know I, I didn't even mention actually that the first time I back I went backpacking across South America when I was yeah. 21. Okay. For three months. Wow. Yeah, my friends were saying it's not a black thing to do. <laughs> it's not. You're gonna get killed. Guys <laughs> on a plane were saying in Venezuela there's 300 deaths a week. Oh Everyone my God. was telling me not to do this. But it was one of the most incredible life experiences I've ever had because it yeah. just opened up my mind. Yeah. And that's one thing that I'll say about traveling, especially for man them from ends. Yeah. Traveling will open up your mind. Yeah, you gotta leave. You, you gotta leave. Yeah. 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 This is what I was trying to say to you about like offline. You know, like the London I felt yeah. like Barcelona to me yeah. when, I was, when I was a youngster. <laughs> do, you, do you know what I mean? Because I didn't travel. Yeah. It's like post-Cold Wars. I'm like, all right, all right, here it is. You, you literally, literally, and this is what I was trying to say to you about like why I wanted to move out of London because I just wanted to meet other people from somewhere else. Do you know what I mean? Like understand other cultures, yeah. understand just even in the UK. Like yeah. I did, I think even before then, I don't think I'd, 
been anywhere else aside with with my parents. I don't think I've been anywhere out, outside of London. Mm. You know, by the time I went to uni, so yeah. like I I've been very sheltered. That's a yeah. very common experience for working class black black people in London. Yeah, that it, it took from university onwards they started to travel. Apart from maybe traveling back home, yeah, whether that's Jamaica or Nigeria, or, yeah, that was the only thing that I used to hear very common. Very yeah, common. that's part of why I wanted a, a foreign experience. I yeah. was like. Let me go to Africa. I'm like, no, no, I'm not going to Africa. I'm going to South America, something completely foreign. Mm-hmm. And I did some amazing things out there. Like I landed in Peru. Yeah. Camped for four days across a mountain called the Inca Trail. And I went yeah. to this amazing place called Machu Picchu. It was an ancient, ancient city. Yeah. And you learn about these ancient people called the Incas and how they used to communicate from one mountain top to another. Yeah. Like their relationship with water, their relationship as a society. Wow. And you just gain a newfound respect for it. Yeah. Like I was drinking and eating quinoa soup. <laughs> I was like, what's quinoa? Five yeah. years later, quinoa is like a big thing down here. Yeah. Like it was just an incredible eye-opening experience. Yeah. You go to Bolivia, there's something called the Salt Flats. Mm. where you take perspective pictures where someone could have their hands out. It mm. looks like they're holding you, but it's because they're standing here and you're yeah. like all the way back there yeah. like incredible experiences wow. I went horse riding through a swamp in the amazon i saw anacondas that thick as long as like twice as long crazy. as this room you weren't scared of them i mean i was on the horse i thought okay i thought the horse is a better meal than me yeah <laughs> you know run out oh my god that's crazy oh my god okay so at what point did you get into vesting obviously so you worked in san fran yeah then then obviously you left at what point, where did the investment kind of journey start for you? So um, where it really started for me was in 2018. Um, this is something as well. Like you see Tottenham Stadium. Yeah, I support mm. Man United, but Tottenham Stadium used to always have this um, banner on it. Yeah. Called, it said to dare is to do. Okay. And for me, what that represents is another word called audacity. When you grow up in ends, you don't realize it when you're confident, but you have an audacity to do things that ordinarily most people wouldn't be willing to do. Yeah. And in 2008, I had one of those moments where I set up a podcast like this. Mm. I interviewed about four or five people. It's called Technicity. Yeah. yeah. Never brought out a single episode. One of the people that I reached out to was a lady called Arlen Hamilton. Okay. And at the time, she had just gone from being homeless to raising a VC fund. And she had like a handful of investments that she had made. So that's why I wanted her on the podcast because of that story. But as we spoke through that episode, Mm -hmm. I said, you know, a lot of what you're describing in terms of the lack of funding going to black entrepreneurs and women in America. Mm -hmm. And I mean, the stats were really bad. Like less than 3% of venture capital was Mm -hmm. going to women. Yeah. Why they can't start businesses. And less than 1% was going to black founders. Less than 0.2% was going to black women. Yeah. So she was like, I'm going to do something about that. I'm going to start this this venture fund and I'm going to invest into underrepresented founders. Yeah. So as she's speaking on this podcast, after the podcast, I said, why don't you come to London mm-hmm. so that I can get you plugged into the ecosystem here? Mm-hmm. Because I think you'll find that a lot of the problems you're solving over there are similar problems that we're facing over here. So she comes over. Yeah. I set up her itinerary. I remember on paper, I have no right to be doing any of this. Mm-hmm. I don't have a background. It's not my job. It's, not my, it's just my lived experience and my yeah. heart because I have the audacity to yeah. do it. Okay. And that's why I want to encourage people watching this like, don't lose that audacity the same way you lost your curiosity from when mm. you were a kid. True. When you're a kid, you're asking why, why, why. Mm. You're, then you go into school and school's teaching you that it's all about having the right answers. Mm. And then you forget about your ability to question things because you're not rewarded for questioning. Facts. Let me get Very back to Very good point. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so I started this itinerary for her yeah. where we do like a public event mm-hmm. at a VC firm called Boulderton in Kings Cross. 
it was packed. Like there wasn't enough seats for people in the room. Did like a fireside chat, like what we're doing now. Yeah. And I had a lot of private engagements where I introduced her to founders, mm -hmm. to VC investors, to angel investors, yeah. to what we call our limited partners, the people that invest into VC funds. She had a great experience. Then at one of the meetings, she said, he doesn't know it yet, but I want to make Andy my managing, managing director of our accelerator program so that I want him to design and create our accelerator and run the London version of our accelerator program. It just felt right. I was like, I want to run and do it. I haven't got work experience building accelerators. I've never worked in an accelerator before. Mm -hmm. And the reason that I'm sharing this is because sometimes we can have that imposter syndrome and discount ourselves because we haven't done that direct thing before. Mm -hmm. But what we're discounting is our whole lived experience. Yeah. We're discounting our transferable skills. Yeah. I was really confident that I was mm. going to do a great job at that, even though I'd never done it before. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And we need some of that vim back, all of yeah. us. We do. Do you know what Facts. I mean? Yeah, we, we need do. that. We do we need, need that. that. You need to yeah. gas yourself up yeah. sometimes. And let it's true. Like, yeah, I'm all right, you know. Now I'm the man, you know. Now I can do this. You know? Now I'm on it, I'm on it. I'm on it. You need that energy. Yeah. You need to be able to do that to yourself. So, um, I ended up traveling with them to America. They launched, we launched uh, an accelerator program in LA, Detroit, Philadelphia, and in London. Yeah. We raised two and a half million dollars. Wow. And we invested into 25 founders. So they each got $100,000 each. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I felt great as an ecosystem builder being able to do that for a lot of our people. Yeah. But it also taught me a lesson that a lot of the founders that we were backing who were diverse, the thing that they really shared was they were all from working class backgrounds. Okay. So they didn't, they couldn't raise money from their friends and family. They didn't have angel investors in their network. Mm. And because of that, they found it hard to close their rounds. Yeah. So even though we invested $100,000 into your startup, actually you were trying to raise 300,000 and you struggled for the other 200,000. Yeah. So I started racking my brains, like, how can I solve this problem? How can I help to be the friends and family round for yeah. a lot of these founders that are incredible and deserve an opportunity, yeah. but just really find it hard to, to get the funds. Yeah. So I started the angel investing school off the back of. Oh, is that how early it came? Mm. Ah, so, so I didn't know it was that early. That, that VC experience yeah. was 2018 to like 20, 2020, basically. Wow, twenty twenty, I launched the school. Wow, that's insane. Mm. And did you? So when you launched the school, did you say, okay, I'm just gonna leave the VC? Oh, 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 that, that was the end of it, right? The, the, the VC disbanded. It disbanded, okay. Disbanded, okay. and it gave me that license to think what next. Okay, So I was right, like, okay. logically, let me just try out this experiment. Yeah. I didn't think of it as a business at the time. Yeah. I was, like I said, do my coach should work with a yeah. big corporate. I had Novartis was my mm -hmm. client in Switzerland. Mm -hmm. So I was working remotely with them pre-lockdown, actually. Okay. And outside of work, I was doing this experiment of, right. let me try and run this program let me see okay. who's interested in learning about angel yeah. investing let me lean on my network because mm -hmm. by this time i knew a lot of investors and i knew mm -hmm. the game well and let me sort out this let me let me structure a curriculum okay and 17 people went through that first school mm -hmm. i asked them for feedback every week mm -hmm. and at the end of the program and the feedback was great okay and some of them started angel investing okay so i knew that i was empowering these people yeah equipping these people mm -hmm. and educating these people to take action on what they were learning okay and that was in incredible for me. Yeah. Because my first angel investment, and you asked me about how I got started before, was yeah. it was back in 2015. Mm. I made a huge mistake. Mm. I've, I, I invested more than I could afford to lose. Right. Okay. In an opportunity that I didn't even understand or do, mm. do my research on. Mm. I didn't know better. I was too passionate. Mm. I was leading with my heart instead of my head and my heart. Yeah. So because of that, I knew that you don't need to lose 5K like I did. Mm. Spend 500, 10X cheaper with mm. me. And you'll learn these lessons. Yeah. And you'll have a community of people to invest alongside. Mm -hmm. Mad, mad, and mad. That's how we started the school. Qu quick question. I don't know if you answered this already. What's angel investing? 
for those that don't know, right? Yeah, let's, good question. Let, yeah, so, let's let's break that let's, down. Let's talk about investing in general. Yeah, you have yeah. things like you can invest into a government bond. Yeah. Um, really low interest. Yeah. And your money's tied in for five, ten, yeah. fifteen, twenty years. Mm-hmm. But it's pretty much guaranteed yeah. in the UK government anyway. It's a stable government. And then you have something that's um, a little bit higher risk, like ETFs, mm-hmm. which is like I'm invested in this collection of stocks yeah. and shares. Yeah. Right. So I could invest in the S and P 500, yeah. which will give me the average return of all the, the companies in the S and P 500. Yeah. A little bit higher risk, but still relatively low risk. It's unsexy, it's boring, but it produces results. Yeah, yeah. It's good. It's important. Like when we talk about the foundations of investing, ETFs are part of your foundation, right? You've saved up your money, yeah. got good credit score, you're all right with debt, you want to start investing regularly. ETFs is part of that play for you. Yeah. yeah. Then we have property investing. You've had a few property investors on mm-hmm. the show. Yeah. Right. So property investing is a many different ways of doing it, but you're buying a house and you're either selling that house or yeah. renting it or or doing a strategy to basically make money every month yeah. or make money from a sale of that house. Yeah. Pretty well understood, pretty easy to gain education and get yeah. into property investing. Yeah. And then you have alternative investments. Mm-hmm. And in that sits angel investing. So when we talk about investing into stocks and shares like Microsoft and Google versus investing in a startup. The main difference is that Microsoft and Google are publicly listed companies. Mm -hmm. They're reporting every quarter on their performance and you can buy their stocks on a platform like Hargreaves and Lansdowne or or Vanguard. Yeah. I mean, you should be sponsoring me. I'm mentioning your name. (laughs) Okay. With angel investing, these are Mm. privately held companies, right? So there's only a small number of people that have ownership in this company. Mm. It could be the co-founders. It could be the co-founders and some employees. It could be the co-founders, some employees and some early investors. Yeah. And that's what you're investing in. And you're investing in their potential to grow and one day either be listed on the stock exchange mm-hmm. or to get acquired by a bigger company. Yeah. That's what we call an exit. Okay. And as an angel investor, you make money when you invest in a startup at an early stage mm-hmm. and you're looking at the price per share, which could be 1p when I invested. Mm-hmm. And then at a later stage, it gets acquired or it sells or it floats mm-hmm. in the stock exchange. Yeah. And your 1p per share is now worth 15 pounds per share. Mm-hmm. And therefore, that's the diff- That's the money that I make on okay. that difference. Okay. The truth is, you're really focused on building a portfolio because you know that maybe six out of 10 stops are going to fail. Yeah. And out of the four that are left, maybe two really go nowhere and don't yeah. get an exit. And out of the two that are left, maybe one really achieves the exit. Okay. So we teach at the Angel Investing School about investing in building a portfolio and not just an investment. Mm-hmm. So if you had like a 10K budget, I'd rather you spend 1K investing into 10 different companies mm-hmm. than to put 10K in a single company. Okay. You know, so it's these kind of philosophies that we, we try and teach okay. as well as adding value beyond the capital. Yeah. Something unique about investing into startups that you can't do with Google and these public stocks is that you can actually add value and impact the outcome of that startup. Yeah. So I can invest 1K into your business that provides like uh, packaging solutions yeah. for drinks companies but then i can introduce you to coca-cola mm. and i can introduce you to pepsi yeah they can add so much more value than my one grand investment yeah. they can sign a contract with you for half a million each yeah and suddenly you're making a million from two clients that i introduced to you yeah that's the value you can add to yeah. these early stage businesses yeah. and it doesn't have to be a tech business mm. it could be a plumbing business mm. and because i've been a plumber for 20 years mm-hmm. i can actually get you 20 contracts in the city of london because they're all my old contacts i've got good relations yeah with relationships with them so when you think about how can i add value to this asset to this founder then it becomes a really exciting opportunity okay so if i walk through like two or three examples of some of my Mm -hmm. startups i've invested in yeah um incredible founder called yao Mm -hmm. and he started a business called Mm avrastel he's run it for two and a bit years now um 
In year one of the business just made over 2 million in revenue. Wow. In year two of the business um, made about 10 million in revenue. He's now in year three of that business. Mm -hmm. Incredible growth. 60% wow. of customers in the US, right? Or if I look at Bianca, the founder of Wearing, sustainable fashion app, mm -hmm. it's like digitizes your wardrobe to encourage you to reuse your clothes, yeah. repair your clothes or resell your clothes wow. rather than contributing to fast fashion. Mm -hmm. Two million users in two years. You know? Seriously? Yeah, incredible. Wow. Incredible. That's what I'm saying. And That's I, crazy. And the thing that I love about this is that rather than paying to do an MBA, yeah. I'm paying to learn this way. Yeah. Because I'm gaining a great network mm -hmm. with investors, with founders. Mm -hmm. I'm learning about new technologies and new yeah. industries and things that I care about, such yeah. as climate change. Yeah. And and I'm participating in the outcome. Yeah. I'm on the board of wearing, okay. for example. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's exciting. Yeah. You know, at a minimum, if I know I made no money, mm. the network that I've gained, mm -hmm. the lessons that I've learned mm -hmm. have made it worthwhile for me. Yeah. And you have to think like that when you invest. If I don't make money, if I make a loss, if I if I, if I lose what I invested, what do I have to gain? Mm -hmm. And if you're not at peace with that, then you shouldn't really invest okay. in any asset class. Yeah. Wow, that's insane. I was going to ask you if you're hands-on, but it sounds like you are quite hands-on with your hands investment. Yeah, yeah, your yeah. Investment. I want to make introductions. I yeah. want to help with hiring. I want to okay. I want to coach where I can. Yeah. But there's going to be a stage where, you know, maybe my portfolio gets big and yeah. I, I can't be as hands-on or some of these companies grow so big that yeah. actually I'm not as valuable to them at that size yeah. and maybe they need a different types of type of value. Wow. Um, I'm just not there yet. Wow, that's crazy. I was going to ask you, what's your frustration? What, what would you say is your frustrations as an angel investor? What are some of your biggest frustrations, would you say? Culture. Yeah. When I think about the culture of mm. investing in Europe, um, it's a bit risk averse. They want to invest into predictable revenue, into businesses that sell to other businesses. Yeah. They don't like investing in consumer. So it's really yeah. hard to build a Spotify here like they okay. did in Europe. It's really hard to build a Google or Facebook mm. or Instagram or WhatsApp mm. or Snapchat. It's not a surprise that they've all come from the West Coast. Yeah. Because the appetite here isn't there for investing into consumer startups. Mm. And the reason that a lot of investors don't like it is because a lot of the time it requires a lot of marketing spend. Mm -hmm. And in America, if you think about the population of America, what's the population of the UK? Mm. It's very small mm. in comparison. You know, when we think about the black population in the US versus the black population here, yeah. day and night different. Yeah, day and so night. So then the question becomes that like, if you're starting a business that's targeting that mass audience, can you scale and grow into the US? Yeah. And a lot of founders fail, fail to do that, sadly. It's not, yeah. it's not an easy thing to do. It's not. Mm. It's not. It's not. Wow. I was thinking of something, thinking of Dragons then, because when you when you talk about this, they're mm. angel investors, aren't they? Right? Mm. They 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 they're angel investors that the listeners can kind of picture pictureize, right? There's I remember there's sometimes when when somebody's coming to pitch and um some of the some some of them, some of the dragons, sometimes they they say they use terms like, you know, I'm investing in you. Like maybe the numbers are not great, yeah. but I'm investing in you. Yeah. And I believe in you. Yeah. What I know it's TV, but what what's your thoughts on that? On you know, no, statements no, like that. I thought you were going to say something else. Mm. That statement is absolutely truth to okay. it because if you think about it, when you're an early stage business, mm. you can't go to a bank for a bank loan. Yeah. The reason is because you haven't got any trading history. Yeah. There's no accounts. There's no history. So you're very risky. Yeah. So who's going to give you money? Yeah. If a dragon or an angel investor is making an investment, yeah, maybe 78% of that decision is based on yeah. you and unlocking that potential. Okay. Because there isn't that trading history to go off. Yeah. There isn't that performance. It's different for a VC investor that's investing into a business that's three or four years old. Mm -hmm. There's a lot more data to go off. Yeah. You know, so actually, like understanding your chemistry and connection with that founding yeah. team is really important because okay. 
you can often help them figure out if they're coachable. Yeah. Right. And this is what we're talking about values and how do you assess teams that you want to invest in? Like if they're coachable, there could be an opportunity for yeah. you to help them improve the performance of the business. Right. It could be that mm, what they're doing on marketing is wrong. Mm. But actually, I own a marketing agency and I would give them free services to help them fix that up and it's going to yeah. transform their sales in that business. Yeah. Like you could see where you could add value. You could see where yeah. the business could go to. So there's a lot of truth in like I'm backing you as the individual yeah. to figure it out. Yeah. Okay. You know, you okay. haven't figured it out today, but I think you're going to figure it out. I believe in you. Okay. You know, I thought what you were going to say, yeah, yeah. which Tell is a bit different is Dragon's Den take a lot of equity. Okay. Partly because it's a TV show, partly yeah. because it's entertainment. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas like, so they could be talking about 20 to 40K, yeah. 40% of your business yeah. on that show, 50% of your yeah. Which is crazy. Yeah. Which is crazy because yeah. with, with the investment rounds that I'm talking about, mm. like, a startup might give away 20% in the whole round. Mm. All of the investors combined okay. equals 20%. Okay. An angel might get 0.3%. Oh. 1%. You know? Okay. Yeah. Exactly. So that's where Dragon's Den isn't, isn't sharing a reality that we can all relate to. Okay. And sometimes that's the problem when you look at role models. Like yeah. you want someone that's a few steps ahead of you rather yeah. than someone that TV. feels like they're too far removed. Yeah. I think that's why people like me and the angel yeah. investing school because they feel yeah. like... And he's going through it too. He's yeah. a few steps ahead of me. Yeah. And I'm helping some of these these people that are investing in me. They're investing as little as one one or two thousand pounds per deal. Okay. Not really? Just, yeah. But but we we structure it in a way through yeah. something called special purpose vehicles, mm. SPVs, mm. where actually I allowed you to I allow you to invest with the village. This mm. is collective investing. Yeah. Okay. So actually I've invested 150k mm. into this startup, mm. but I collected a lot of one, two, 10, 25k okay. tickets from my network. Yeah. So I facilitated that so that it's easy okay. for the founder. Yeah. They've got 125K from Andy SPV1. Mm. And in Andy SPV1, I've actually managed 20 relationships that yeah. that founder doesn't have to worry about. Mm. So that I could group their money, share it with the founder and share a register with them to say, this is how much you own of the business yeah. based on your investment and this okay. how it's performing. Okay. You know, Man. and it's great for the founder because now yeah. they've got a network of experts they oh. can lean on. Yeah. Oh, that person's great with hiring. Mm. Can you help me with my hiring? Oh, that person's great at sales. Can you help me set up a sales yeah. team? Wow, that's insane. I was going to ask, what do you actually look for like in your like investments when you're looking at companies mm. to invest? If you can take us through a few points, not everything, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Points, I'll yeah. take you through four points. Yeah. Yeah. Founding team, product, okay. use of funds, yeah. and market. Okay. We'll walk through each one. So with the founding team, mm. I'm looking for starting with why like what simon sinek says why is this person starting or these people starting this business mm. does their origin story make sense to the business that they're, they're, sol yeah. they're solving for for example i shared with you a story about how i worked in san francisco and silicon yeah. valley i joined the vc firm and started investing to underrepresented founders mm -hmm. and then i started the angel investing school yeah do you think that origin story leading up to the angel investing school made me well positioned to start the angel investing school I would say yeah, and why? Why do you feel like coming? Because because you you well, I mean you worked in San Fran, mm -hmm. so you worked with check. a lot of business businesses, check. and you were able to build relationships. Yep, check relationships. Two. Yep. Uh, three. I oh, you you understood that. Uh, I would say at to some extent you understood about investing. Yep, check. You understood. Yeah, you understood the concept. Four. I don't know. To be honest, yeah. all of that is correct. Yeah. But you're able to yeah. you're able to see in my story yeah. that actually Annie's got a good origin story for the business that yeah. you're solving for. Yeah. You know, the same way if I was a plumber for 20 years yeah. and then I start a plumbing business, yeah. it makes sense. Mm. 
And often in founder origin stories, you can sniff out when it doesn't make sense. Okay. Like, oh, wait, is the reason that you're starting this business because you want to be your own boss and you hate your old job? <laughs> Are you sure you just don't want a better job with a better culture where you'll enjoy it more? You know, so it's really important to understand the origin story. The second is I like to be helpful. So mm. I like founders that are coachable yeah. or are, are willing to take on my help. Mm. You know, so I want to have a conversation with a founder where they yeah. disagree with me and I can have a, an interesting debate with them. And actually, we got, we're, we're both better off for it. Yeah. If I maybe give founder feedback and they don't take it too well, I'm like, oh, this might not be a good relationship because mm. I'm transparent and yeah. I like to have this safe space where we can have these conversations. Yeah. So you really want to really assess the chemistry mm. and whether you'll be a good connection, whether you'll yeah. actually get along with each other and work well together. Will yeah. it be a productive relationship if we work together? Mm-hmm. You know, the next thing you're looking for from founders is execution ability. Mm. I always say ideas are overrated and execution is undervalued. Mm-hmm. Like everyone can have ideas. They're cheap. They're, they want, they're, there's many ideas out there. Mm-hmm. But who can execute on the idea? Mm-hmm. Who can show that they're going from idea to users, mm-hmm. from users to revenue, from yeah. revenue to growth in revenue? Yeah. That's, that, not everyone has that muscle. Yeah. But it's really important in startups. You know? The next thing I look for is things like customer obsession. Mm-hmm. Obsess over customers, not competition. Don't worry about Amazon in the market. Don't worry about <laughs> Shopify. Don't worry about, yeah. like, actually, your point of differentiation is going to come from having a deep relationship with your customers yeah. and continuing to speak to them to understand what problems and needs they have yeah. so that you can continue to solve those needs in a unique way that you can. Mm-hmm. That's the reason that people want to be with you. That's the reason that these customers are going to stick with you. Okay. You know? And then I look for people that are great at nurturing relationships with people. Yeah. You know, because it's helpful when you're both hiring great talent mm-hmm. that want to be around you, that feel like it's infectious, that feel yeah. like, do you know what? I'm going to learn a lot from working with you, that trust you to lead. Yeah. But it's also useful when you're thinking about, as a founder, you're always a salesman or saleswoman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're selling to 100%. investors, yeah. you're selling to customers, yeah. you're selling to new hires, you're selling to suppliers and partners. Mm-hmm. So you need to know how to craft your story in the right way to sell to these different audiences. Yeah. So these are some of the things I look for in founding team. I actually listed a lot of things there to be okay. fair. Wow. The second is product, and I'm not going to spend yeah. too much time on it, but product is really yeah. about understanding what problem are you solving for customers? Mm-hmm. Who is your target customer? Mm-hmm. And can you even share stories about that customer to mm-hmm. show you really know them well? That's yeah. a customer obsession. And is there a good product problem fit? Mm-hmm. You know, actually, is that problem really solve that, that issue for that customer? And you yeah. know it is when someone switches from an existing service to use your service. Mm-hmm. I switch from using Halifax to using Starling Bank. Yeah. That's an okay, example. Okay. And then retention is another example. Yeah. Not only did I switch to Starling, but I liked it so much I've used it for a year. Yeah. It retained me. Okay. Yeah. Wow. And then another thing you look for is market. Yeah. And there's two opposing thoughts when it comes to market. Mm-hmm. A lot of VC investors go for massive global markets, billion dollar markets. Mm-hmm. And the reason is because their fund managers are, are managing other organizations' money. Yeah. They've raised money from an endowment fund, from a family office, from mm-hmm. a pension fund with the promise that we're going to free X your money. Yeah. So if I've got a hundred million pound fund mm-hmm. and I'm investing 250K into your startup for 5% equity, mm-hmm. really, I need you to exit at like 4 billion mm. for me to be able to free X my money and pay my investors. Mm-hmm. A lot of founders don't understand that when they're applying for that capital, okay. that it comes with inheriting this growth strategy because they need to return their fund. Yeah. You know, where's Wow. As an angel investor, that doesn't matter as much mm. to me. A startup could get sold for 30 million. Mm. It could be a life-changing sum for the founder. Mm. It could be a great exit for me as an angel. I yeah. may have made 10x my money. Mm. Terrible scenario for a VC. Yeah. I've raised a 100 million pound fund. What's this 30 million exit going to do? Especially when I only own 5% and I'm only going to be able to <laughs> take home 
take out of like one million from this deal. Yeah. Terrible outcome. Okay. So that VC might be telling that founder, don't exit. You're more ambitious than that. You should keep going. Okay. While the angel could be saying, this is life changing money. You've put yeah. a lot into this business. Yeah. I'm comfortable. If you want to walk away, it's the right thing to do for yeah. you and your family. Okay. They're telling two different advice from two different okay. advantage points. Wow. None of them are wrong, but it depends on you and your family yeah. as the founder and your circumstance. Okay. So that's market. Okay. And the thing about um, the most ambitious founders is they always outgrow their initial market. Yeah. Jeff Bezos started with online bookstores. Yeah. And then he went into the everything store. Yeah. And then he went into Kindle and Echo. Mm -hmm. And then he's gone into AWS. It's crazy. Where he had no right to do that yeah. path. It wasn't in his initial pitch deck. Yeah. And this is what I mean about unlocking potential and believing in the founding team. Mm -hmm. Like what you said with Dragon's Den. Yeah. Like you believe in Jeff at the beginning, mm. but you have no idea that Jeff is going to go here and here and here. Yeah, that's true. You know? It's crazy. It's crazy. Airbnb, they were renting out properties, essentially. And then they've gone into experiences. Oh, I didn't know that they were going to do that. Yeah, on paper, it, it didn't logically make sense, but yeah. the most ambitious founders outgrow their initial market. Yeah. Wow. That's you know? absolutely amazing. And yeah. then the last thing is use mm. of funds. What okay. are they going to use the money for? 20% mm -hmm. for marketing, 30% for hiring. 20%, like, it'll be interesting to know if they thought through mm. what milestones they can achieve okay. when raising this money. Yeah. And some people don't think enough about that. The reason that I want to raise 150K is because I've ran this experiment with marketing for 5K and these are the results it, 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 it produced. So if I run it with 50K, I reckon I'll 10X these results. Okay. You know, it's that yeah. kind of logic you need yeah. to, to the thinking. Yeah. Okay. So they need, to, they need to be on point. They need to be smart and they need to hit these four points. Yeah, right? I always see like, yeah. Like when you're a, uh, starting a business, yeah. entrepreneur is not the right word. I think you're actually an independent researcher. Yeah. But you're always trying to research, am I taking a step in the right direction or yeah. not? And you're independent when you're doing that research because if I, if I test out the angel investing school and I find that actually it's not viable, people do not like it actually, it's not a good fit. Mm. There's no market for it. Great, I will stop it and I won't run the business. Yeah. That's a good outcome. I'm not wasting time, money or energy going mm -hmm. down the wrong path. Mm -hmm. But if I find that there is, that it is viable and yeah. there is customers for this and there is a market for it, mm -hmm. great, I'll just take another step in that right direction. Yeah. It's a very purest way of thinking through how you take each step in your business mm -hmm. rather than being married to the outcome, having to be that I'm, I'm successful yeah. and I'm a business owner and mm -hmm. I love that I can put it on Twitter and social yeah. media. And <laughs> I know, it's crazy, right? So many people like that. I mean, on that point, what, what, what has been some of the challenges with the Angel Investing School itself, would you say, with building that? Yeah, I think... You know, I had a testimonial last year about mm. someone who used to spend 15K in the club on tables and drinks, and now he spends it on investing. Seriously? Yeah. So there's a real mindset shift, shift that's, that's required oh my for people God. to go on this journey. You know, and, and like I said before, to change mindsets, you need the right environment. Yeah. So we're providing an environment with the Angel Investing School mm. where you're not alone. Mm. You're traveling together. Even if you don't do an investment for a year, you're going to gain and you're going to learn and you're going to form an, 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 an incredible network yeah. just by being a part of the school. Yeah. So it's getting people to think beyond just angel investing as a way of making money to thinking about it as a lifelong learning journey that has yeah. so much more benefits. Yeah. Man, it's, 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 yeah, it's crazy. I think that, I mean, somebody's spending 15 grand. In a club? Yeah. Man, there's people spending I mean, in that, man. <laughs> You seen the BMF documentary about? Uh, I'm still watching it. I, I'm still, I'm still watching it. I need to, I need to, Big I need to, I need to sneeze, to... and it was 15k. <laughs> so let let let's talk about this part, right? And I think this was going to be one of the initial topics that we were going to speak about, right? Mm. 
because you kind of alluded to it before, right? Investing in startups is 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 risky, right? So as we, as we talk, talked about, minute and fail, and there is a high risk that you could lose your money. So I guess what's the what's the benefits of investing in startups? Why would you do it? So first, you have to be pragmatic. If I'm saying that you can only afford to invest what you can lose, you need to make sure that this is like 5% of your wealth, a small portion, right? Yeah. You need to have that stable foundation. You need to have, if it is property investments, mm -hmm. stocks and shares, you need to know that you've got a job that earns you money yeah. where you're not relying on these startups to make you bank. Yeah. Because even if they do exit and it is positive, it could take seven to 10 years. Yeah. It could take longer. If you look at how long it took for Amazon to go public, Google to go public, we're talking like like some of them was 10 to 15 years. Really? Yeah. So, you know, especially you never now, ever companies, think about that. companies have been staying private for longer. Look, yeah. go and check out after this how long Airbnb has been around for. Yeah. Right? Like companies are staying private for longer because mm. it's more later stage capital. We're not going to get into that too much right now. But the main thing is first being disciplined and understanding yeah. that you shouldn't put too much of your, your money at risk because it yeah. is a risky asset class. Yeah. The second is you have to be at peace with the fact that if I don't make money, am I happy with the network that I develop, with the learnings that I gain and with going along these journeys with these founders? Yeah. If you're not at peace with that, then this is not the right asset class for you yeah. as well. I'm, I'm almost like managing expectations for yeah. people here. I'm telling you that like start with the end in mind, but know to yourself that if you don't make money, are you still going to be happy doing this? Mm. If not, it's not right for you. Yeah. You know, and this is where it's very different to crypto, which is very risky as mm. well, right? People are trying to invest into crypto to make a quick buck. Mm. You, there's no quick buck in angel investing, even if it is positive. Mm. It's seven to 10 years, like I said. Really? But you can actually yeah. influence the asset class. You can't yeah. influence crypto. In fact, yeah. you don't even know what the underlying value is no. that that crypto is attached to you half mm. the time. But with angel investing, you can. Mm. I can make that introduction. Yeah. I can help with hiring. Yeah. I can help with supply chain. Mm -hmm. I can be an extension of the business. Mm -hmm. And that's what's most exciting about this opportunity. Yeah. You know? And fortunately for me, like, I'm getting to invest back into my culture. Yeah. I'm, I'm sick of people complaining about, you know, <laughs> being consumers and not producers or, yeah. you know... I want this business to be black owned. Why are they selling to a white owned mm -hmm. business? No, why don't you do something and vote with your feet? Yeah. Some people are like, you know, black pound there. I'm going to spend with black stores. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to invest and have ownership into these black companies mm. that are going to be successful. Yeah. Ruka Hair. Yeah. Avery Estelle. Yeah. Yom. Yeah. Like, I'm going to have ownership. I saw Ruka Hair on Crowdcube actually recently mm, as well. They did yeah, really they're well doing on good. Crowdcube. Yeah. Very, yeah, yeah. very, very well. Yeah. Yeah. And these are incredible founders. And, yeah. you know, if these founders, God forbid, failed, mm. I'd probably back them again because yeah. I'd back them as people. Yeah. Like I've met people that have said to me before where like, if I could invest in an individual yeah. like, and you weren't even a business, I'd invest in you. Yeah. That's a real compliment. That's crazy. You know, and, and, and it's just such a privilege to be in this position and to be able to do this work. Yeah. You know, it's not for everyone. Yeah. But there are people in positions that yeah. have a good network, have mm. great expertise and have some capital they can put to work. Yeah. Like we actually needed to be backing these great founders. Mm. If you need help finding these great founders, I've got deal flow for days. Mm. Definely, I just invested in them a month ago. Okay. Legal tech. Yeah, yeah I've seen them. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Corporate wow. lawyer, black corporate lawyer with yeah. experience for five years before yeah. starting his business. Mm. It's like a Grammarly for lawyers to help mm. lawyers use doc Microsoft Word and Google Docs to spot actually legal terms within their documents and to show them relevant contracts in their database. Wow. Like doing really that's well, great amazing. clients, three out of the five magic circle law firms, wow. top law firms. That's incredible. You know, Adidas and Deloitte as their clients, they're about yeah. to grow into the US. Wow. Like we have some incredible founders from our culture that yeah. nobody knows about. Yeah. And we need to do a better job of even like our media and our press yeah. to share these stories. Yeah. You know, when I'm on Shade Bar and all these Instagram pages, I'm like, 
guys, we've got to be sharing these stories. There's yeah. a lot of good news right now yeah. and we're sleeping on it. Yeah. You know, we need to That's change. That's what we're trying to do. Yeah, we need to change. Yeah, now. 100%. Of the ends, like, yeah. we've got great people coming from yeah. the ends, like, to my sisters. They just, yeah. they just released their book, A Great Community. Mm. Renee's from Tottenham. Like, we should share these stories. Yeah. Izzy Obeng from Tottenham who owns yeah. Foundervine. Mandy yeah. Nyako who owns Startup Discovery School. Yeah. Like, we're really important. doing something here. Yeah, yeah. And when we talk about role modeling, like, if I was in secondary school and I wasn't just looking up to Bill Gates, Mark Zuckerberg, Jeff Bezos and these white middle-class mm. men, and instead I had people that I felt like I could relate to mm. who look like me, I would have been more encouraged and more inspired to go down those 100%, paths. 100%. That's what it is. That's what We're it lacking, is. lacking role models. If for you don't real. see it, you, don't be, you, can, exactly. you believe you can't beat it sometimes. Exactly. Wow. That's epic. So I was just wondering, um, in terms of your school, Angel Investing School, is, is the idea that somebody can start it with no experience and then by the end, they're yeah. kind of expected to go off. Not, not go off by go themselves, off by themselves but the they, can go, they can be we'll part of the community. share deals with you. If they want to, When you're doing can. your first yeah. deals, we'll hold okay. you a handhold hold with okay. you. Like, cool. oh, I don't understand these legals or these documents. Yeah. We've got you. Oh, that's epic. Oh, I want to invest just a thousand pounds, but the minimum ticket size is 10 grand. We've got you. Okay. You know, one of the benefits is that yeah. I co-invest alongside a lot of Oh, really? And I can leverage other capital that I have access to. Yeah. So. I can put a 25k into that deal. Yeah. You know, I'm part of I was part of an Atomical Angel program, which is a VC investor, mm -hmm. which gave me like like six figures a year to invest into startups. Wow. You know, and this is what I'm saying about you see, London, yeah. Mm. One of the unique things that we sleep on outside of education mm. is social capital. Mm. If you're someone that has like can build up networks and relationships, mm -hmm. you're gonna experience social mobility. Yeah. Because those people like it's like Iron sharpens iron. Like, mm. if you're around nine wealthy people, it's going to rub off on you. Yeah. You're going to learn wealth. Mm. If, if, like, this is why what you're doing is so smart as an asset. Mm. On the one level, you're giving us all of this value as an audience. Yeah. On the other level, you build an incredible network. Yeah. You save up 50K now, you can turn to all of us that you've interviewed yeah. to say, like, I want to put this 50K to work. Can you help me? Yeah. I promise you, no one would say no because mm. of the relationship you fostered because of this experience. Yeah, it's true. It's crazy when you say that because I was thinking about that the other day. I was like, wait, hold on. I didn't think of it like that. Mm. But I'm like, oh, I'm actually building relationships with mm. the people that I'm bringing on, actually. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's wild. It's wild. Yeah. And wow. it's mutually beneficial. It's yeah. like, I've got, a, I've got a course starting in, in April. I don't know what, by the time that this is released. I think this will be. But someone then, would yeah. listen to this and be like, I want to be part of what Andy's doing. Yeah. So then it's like, great. I wouldn't yeah. have known Andy if not for this, for this yeah. avenue. Yeah. You know, so it's mutually beneficial. Yeah. It's crazy. Mm. I wanted to, I wanted to get to this. So you got an MBE recently. Talk to us. How how did that come about? I don't know who nominated me till today. Really? Yeah. You don't. But the reason that MBE yeah. was important yeah. is, is twofold. Firstly, because representation matters. Yeah. And definitely does. If I can be a hero to young kids from the ends, yeah. Or they can look up to me and say that I can belong to that space because Andy was in that space too. Yeah. It matters to me. So anything yeah. that can amplify that that message matters to me. To be honest, at my core, the real message for me is about spreading love and it's about God. Yeah. But people, when they've realized and asked me questions like, what is it about you? That's when I reveal and open mm -hmm. up. The second reason why it's important is because I didn't share this with you earlier, but my dad passed away on my on my journey, on my come up mm. when I was growing up. So for his family and for my mom's family to have that pride of saying, wow, like we came to this country and look what our children have become. Mm -hmm. And my mom's incredible. Showered yeah. us with love, always positive always uplifting us yeah you know so for her to be able to share with her family like yeah my son's got an mbe my son yeah. my children have become x yeah 
that that pride, they deserve it. It matters. Yeah. It's us paying it back to them. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? We have to pay it forward to the younger generation coming up, but we've got to respect to the elders and mm. ensure that their investment in us hasn't been wasted. Yeah, 100%. You know? Wow. Amazing, 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 amazing. Uh, I wanted to close off with this because this Can is... Our... Close off? No, no, not like that. Not now. <laughs> but I want to close off with this, right? Like, what I really appreciate is the fact that you, you value work-life balance i've met a lot of people mm. that don't really value it or even think about it especially mm. as, as a business owner mm. i think you're probably the you know I, I, i'll be honest you're the only business owner that i that i've come across that values it mm. a lot and puts it to action yeah <laughs> reschedule not even just reschedule but even the timing i i appreciate that i think it's i think it's a healthy way to and, think and so. i appreciate that you appreciate that yeah and you don't feel like I think he's too, yeah. you know, or he's too busy. Or he's, yeah. Because people can take it different ways without yeah. understanding the full context, yeah. you know, yeah. like, especially people that don't even know I have children. Yeah. So the main thing for me is that I know that we're all going to die one day and we're mm -hmm. not going to be here. Mm -hmm. And I think that's actually really inspiring in yeah. a way because it gives us a limited time frame to really leave a legacy and have yeah. an impact. And for me, I know that on my deathbed, I'm not going to ask for my laptop. I'm not going to ask for my investments. I'm going to ask for more time with my loved ones, my mm -hmm. family, my friends. So why wait till then when I can optimize for that lifestyle now? Yeah. Let me spend time with my son now. Mm -hmm. Let me spend time with my wife now. Let me optimize and, and build those memories and moments because what they remember isn't any of the gifts that I buy them. Yeah. It's all the experiences that we share together. 100%. The holidays, the theater trips, the playing in the park. So why am I wasting time? Let me do that now. Not regret in 10 years because, oh, now I've made it. I'm going to spend time with you. Oh, you're 18 and you don't want to spend time with me now because it's too late. I'm not, I'm not for that life. Yeah. I'd rather go broke and I'd rather be working on the high street, no disrespect, but working in Sainsbury's or like dustbin clean. I don't care mm. as long as I can optimize around spending time with my family. Mm. You know, I wouldn't be doing business unless it fit around that. Yeah. I reject so many opportunities, mm. so many events, you know, unbelievable events. Like I got onto oh, President Obama's European leadership program didn't fit with the family schedule i couldn't go on it i respect i'm it. a piece of that that's amazing this this is what i said i appreciate it and I, i'm gonna i need to think about that i think we all need to think about that in our lives because mm. you're right like i i remember when i was working at kpmg um i was partnered with a with a partner in terms of a mentoring program and one of the things that he said to me was that he regretted the fact that he missed you know birthdays in important times right and you can't bring that back yeah he's gotten to the top but you can't mm. get that time back and that relationship right. is really difficult to yeah. to repair once yeah. the damage of a child because they, they don't forget that stuff. Yeah. Wow. Amazing, Andy. So what do you have planned next for yourself? So we've got an April course that we're running for the Angel mm -hmm. Investing School. Um, and I can't reveal too much, but with the Angel Investing School, there might be an opportunity for us to, to kind of level up our involvement in terms of investing with our community. Okay. Um, so I'm working on some things in the background to make okay. that Okay, we're looking that forward work. to hearing and that. Then, we didn't touch on it, but with the coaching work, I do work with an organization called um, Open Salt. Okay. And Salt is spelled P-S-A-L-T. And it's all about encouraging leaders to bring their difference. Okay. Working with, let's say, the Nandos of the world, the Waitroses, the Pizza Expresses, and yeah. all of their C-suite on how can they build an open culture that really fits in and enabling their strategy, yeah. but also values inclusion. And it's a very unique type of coaching, but I love it. Wow. It's amazing. Yeah, you're right. I need to get us a part two. That that that's partly my <laughs> fault. That is partly my fault. 
Um, where can people find you? So you can find me on LinkedIn's my main platform, which now, is probably odd okay. for people to listen okay. to. That's where I have the strongest engagement and following. So yeah. it's just Andy Ayim. Ayim's A-Y-I-M. Mm-hmm. Um, on, link, on, on Instagram, it's the same. Um, those are the two best places to find me, really. And, and andyayim.com if you want to stay in touch with my, my blog post, sign up to my newsletter, more sharing tips on generational wealth, wealth creation, leaving a legacy, business building. Mm. I love that. I love the game. Amazing, amazing. And do you have any final words for the watchers and listeners? Yeah, like we've talking a lot about angel investing, but ultimately what it's really about is investing in people. And the best investment you can make is that investment into yourself. So even like just before this show, like a month ago, a few weeks ago, I invested in some courses. They sent me back a couple of hundred pounds. It's going to send me back about like one grand. But that investment that I've made into myself is going to 10x itself. I'm going to get so much value from it. And I want to encourage people, especially those out of school, to think about taking control of your personal development journey. Take control of the investments that you're making into yourself. Don't just rely on an employer or a corporate to give you training budget. Think about what you want to develop and what you grow because you can really shape your narrative. And Mm. in nowadays, the first page of Google is now your CV. So you've got an opportunity to own that narrative and what that first page says, but you have to be intentional about it. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Personal development is important. Mm. Yeah. Amazing, Andy. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Literally everything. You shared so much and you provided a lot of value. A lot of value. So yeah, I'm really, really happy uh, with this um, episode. And I think, you know, what I find fascinating is the fact that you went from oh, I had a certain mindset mm-hmm. or oh, I didn't try my best to, you know, going to a place where you're even going beyond that, right? Mm-hmm. You're, you're having all these life experiences in so many places mm-hmm. um, and you are doing things that maybe you felt, okay, okay, I don't have the skills, but I'm going to attempt to do this yeah. and then you do well at it yeah. and then you get an MBE and then you start a business. It's crazy, right? <laughs> and, and, then, and then always maintaining the beginner's mindset. Yeah. So, I think it's because I'm a believer in Christ. I always have that humility that I'm just here to serve. So none of the accolades get to my head. The MB doesn't get to my head. I still have the beginner's mindset. I'm still very grassroots in my approach. Still pay it forward and spend time with the kids and with the young young people. And I I love that. And I want to maintain that. You know, because Jesus spent time with with the sinners, with the prostitutes, with the people of society. So who am I to, to be on a pedestal and now separate myself in a room? Yeah. Amazing. Amazing, amazing. Thank you so much, Andy. Listeners, watchers, I hope that you've enjoyed this episode of the Takeoff Experience. And yeah, we'll see you next week's episode. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $129 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $249 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.